What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Hybrid Dive Podcast. It's your host, Dylan Scott. And today, the person I have with me is someone who I feel like is very slept on in the sport. After finishing fourth at High Rocks World Championships and just continually showing up to every single race, she, she goes home and hides behind her actuarial tables. And then she <laughs> comes out and absolutely drops it on the field. So today we have Vivian Taputo. Vivian, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Hi. Your bike, so you got that all moved in. I got my bike all moved in. Yeah, we've got most of the fitness equipment in. Now it's just the point of they go back and you clean the other apartment to make sure that you get your security deposit. All the fun from that stuff, you know? Yep. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be what's left. But um, so for you, on a Sunday, have you knocked out big workout? What's your Sundays like? Um, I hit a run in the morning and then, um, I will lift later today. My, the, this lift is probably the workout that I look forward to the least out of all my workouts because I usually run a lot Saturday and Sunday and then I have to go lift and I, I never look forward to it, but gotta get it done. You know, I'm assuming it's legs. Um, I, I lift twice a week. So when I lift, it's like full body, but a lot of, a lot of legs. Yeah. Got you. And, and you're my accountability partner for lifting. I have to always check in with you to make sure that I am doing my lifts um, after our conversation in Manchester. So it, it's good to know that you're also following up on your end. You're putting in your heavy work. Yeah, you know, I I hate it, but you got to do it. But I, I, I get so when I get your messages that it's like, I did my lift this week. I'm like, slay. Yep, you got to get after it. There's, there's nothing I hate more than like loading up a front squat and then trying and, and try as I do. It's never good. I know. I'm so weak. It's it's pretty shocking. Yeah. Um, but e- even with that, us two weaklings, we managed to hold our own in the hybrid realm. So I want to kind of find out early, early on for you, what was it that got you into sport? Like, where, where did you first find yourself taking up a competitive kind of activity? Yeah, so uh, both of my parents were uh, pretty athletic athletes. Um, my mother swam uh, at Drexel University, and my dad was a bike racer growing up, and then they both did triathlons and did those kind of up to when uh, me and my siblings were born. And then, um, so I have an older brother, and I have two younger sisters, and we all, um, I think in the beginning, we all started out doing things like swimming, soccer, gymnastics, um, stuff like that. So we did that all from an early age and I kind of played a bunch of different sports, but the main one was usually, um, the ones that stuck, I think the longest were swimming and soccer through sixth grade. And then seventh grade was when you could start doing track and cross country. So I did, uh, track and cross country and a little bit of lacrosse in eighth grade. And then, um, by the time, um, by the time high school rolled around after my first cross country season, I was injured all the time and swimming really started to pick up. So I looked at back at my history of, I was always getting injured with running, even though I really liked it a lot. And, um, from high school on, it just kind of turned into all swimming all the time. And, uh, that's what I pursued all the way through college. And, and so was that like an expectation in the family that, Hey, because I mean, I've seen, post that you've done with your dad and stuff and I've, I've said admittedly like Vivian's dad's uh, he's a G like I want to be like Vivian's dad when I'm his age um so did they expect you to be an athlete um I don't I mean they, they put me in stuff and um I mean we we all just kind of did it I think I think my my younger sisters definitely said that my parents forced them to go to practice a little bit more but I 
I was very, I was a very, very competitive kid. So I, I really liked sports a lot and, um, I, I like to try to win and all of that. So I, I was really into it myself and I, I never really felt pressure to be in it, but I think also there, that was kind of like the culture of my family. I think when your parents kind of are active and you become active, it's like a lead by example thing. And then they kind of get it and they don't really pressure you, but they're kind of showing you they're, they're just, I guess, leading by example, showing you how to do the work. And then, um, and like I said, then they get it and they're not like trying to tell you to like go harder or anything like that. I felt like, um, I was surrounded by it. So it just kind of felt like something that, you know, you do. And as I got older and learned how to work hard and kind of saw the results of, of working hard, I think that that kind of culture just kind of got passed down to me, I would say. Um, and so were they, I mean, did they ever coach you Were were your parents ever your coaches in any capacity or anything like that? So we would, we would tape our races from swimming when we were younger and like they would make like small comments or and stuff like that. But it was mostly us just watching. They, they never really were our coaches. I would say my dad, um, in eighth grade, um, so I would swim in the, in the winter and then I would transition to track in the spring. And so to help me with that, we would kind of do like our own kind of special dryland run sessions. It was actually kind of hybrid training, um, where we would do a combination of like some strength movements and then like run fast runs on the treadmill and then fast runs outside and stuff like that. So he kind of helped me make that transition a little bit again, because I always was getting injured because I would go from the pool and then I would want to hit it super hard when I did track. So he did that. And then in the off season in high school, he would do what he called black ops with uh, me and all the boys in the off season, we would go to like a local park and we would do, it's almost pretty much Spartan training. We didn't know it at the time. It was like Spartan training, running around, running up hills, uh, doing monkey bars, doing pull-ups, doing core, all of that stuff. He would like run sessions for us in the off season, but it was like, it it wasn't, there wasn't pressure. It wasn't like you have to do this. He was like, I'm offering this if you guys want to do it. And all of the boys were really into it. I tried to get some of the girls into it. I had little success until I was a senior. Then I got some people to come out with me, but um, that that was the extent of the coaching. It was it was more of like an optional. Hey, like if you want to work hard in the off season, like let's let's do this. And and um, if I wanted to lift in the off season, he would write workouts for me, and I would run from my house to his uh, to his work where he had gym, and then he would write me a program, and I would do that, and then I'd run back. So. Um, it was kind of like an, a resource that I, um, that again, wasn't forced on me or anything, but that was there. And, um, I really utilized it, especially, I, I would say like a big part of my athletic journey and like who I became was watching my older brother. Um, he, he was a really goofy kid and he was kind of like, <laughs> he was, he was a really goofy kid and, he was never the best. He was never, we had a really good club team and um, he, he was never the one on like the A relays. He was never the kid breaking records and anything, but in high school, he just got so into swimming and he worked so, so hard. And he kind of became like the guy by the end of his senior year, like he won his individual state championship. He anchored the relay to winning the state championship. And he uh, went to university of Michigan swimming and, I watched him do all these things and I watched how hard he worked and I saw him do it and thought like, this is the path if I want to do well and I can do it if you can do it. So that's, 
like having all of those good examples, I think in my life really did a lot to influence my, um, like my athletic journey and the kind of person that I became from it. No, I mean, that makes, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. It is a lot, you know, there for that one from the parenting style. Exactly. Before you said it, the word that was coming to my head was they were a resource. Um, and it was like your parents were just something they, I think they just opened it up and say, Hey, I know a decent bit about this. If you want to lean on me for it, I got you. If not, like go, go chase something else. And I think that's really a good way to be as a parent um, is to try to be as available with the knowledge that you have, but don't impose whatever it is you want them to do. Um, I'll figure out if I'm capable of doing that later on in life. Like when I'm like, <laughs> when I'm, whether or not I'm like, all right, buddy, we're doing like third session today or, if he's like, nah, man, I'm going to paint. I'm like, okay, uh, I don't know much about I don't know much about painting, but I'll go I'll go watch some Bob Ross videos, brother. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. figure out how to make this happy accident. Um, so you've got that, and then you've got the the example from your brother, which is cool and interesting for me because I'm the oldest of of five, right. and I, now I didn't go like swim at the University of Michigan. And as a complete side note of that, what what years was he there? Um, like, how much older is he than you? He's two years older. So he actually, if you're thinking, like, Nick Colleen, powerlift, our, our guy at powerlift, they swam together, which is so funny. I found that out at Decker World Championships. That's exactly what yeah. I was thinking. I was like, if he's, he's got to be close to your age, and Nick's around that. So I thought they swam together. Yeah, though they did. He, I, I like it was such a small world. Uh, when when they came up to me at, at Decker World, I was like, wait, no way. That's so cool. But, yeah, they, they swam together. All right. So yeah, you were making the same connection that I was, but, um, it, but seeing that how he kind of, he paved the way to show like, listen, this is what hard work can get you. Like, um, I think for me, I was in a similar situation when I first showed up to cross country, I was terrible. Like I wasn't a good runner. Um, I wasn't natural at it. I was getting my ass handed to me up until, you know, ninth, 10th grade. And then it was kind of that same switch. Like you weren't the guy, but then you suddenly started really investing into it and you started seeing results and you became the guy by the end of the, like by the not seasons in, but by the end of your tenure there per se. And I think my, my younger brother, Logan, who you got to meet and hang out with, uh, <laughs> he's yeah. We'll just, we'll just leave it. At a Love Logan. Now. Yeah. I know. Hey, he's, he's starting to train. So like, really, I, yes. he's, he's sending me workouts, he's doing things and we've talked and like, I think the bug get him a little bit. And so I'm kind of hoping that that leading by example, I get to start on the line with him at one point um, because he he followed that same track. Like he was a track runner, um, but he was also the same way how you said your sisters were of like they kind of had to be pushed to it. Yeah, he fell in that vein. So it was like he didn't latch on the same way that you did kind of following your brother's footsteps and being like, you all got to hammer it out. Um, you good? You got somebody? somebody no, sorry. My making noise up there. Uh, see, she's on top you, of the bridge. Your cat? Yeah. Which, which one? You, do you have one or two? I have two. Wait, yeah. I'll show. Can I? Yes. Okay. Oh, no, she just jumped off. Okay. Now oh, she's, there we go. She's good. The other one's just chilling here. Oh, uh, they're the same. They look very similar. Yeah, they do. They're, uh, they're the same kind of cat, but sorry. Oh, anyway. Yeah, what were the names? It's, it's like, what, like like muffins and yeah, couch cushion or something. What are the names? <laughs> one of them's, uh, okay, I kind of have weird names for them. Um. Well, one of them was named Snowbell, and I just started calling her Belly for short, so I call her Belly. And then my other cat, um, I pretty much just call either Cubby or Puppy. She just kind of 
hangs out. She's really cute. Does she? Does, does Belly have like you know how like cats get kind of fat and they have a little pouch that hangs down? <laughs> they're they have very minimal pouches. Like uh, they're, they're... oh, there's there's nothing funny than like a little cat pouch. Look at you. Yes. You're just, is that is that Belly right there? This is Cubby. Oh, that's Cubby. All right, Cubby, you're just a lean, mean feline yeah, machine. But um, yeah, I'll get so sidetracked by animals. Dude, um, I, I do. Um, it, we were talking about Logan. We were talking about like yeah, no, no. But, but still, it was that same thing. If he had to be pushed a little bit to go out there and train, but then at the same time, he was like, "Well, this is what Dylan did, so like, I kind of want to follow along with it." Um, so it was like a blend of how you sort of found yourself. Um, and then with swimming, getting into that, when was like the first time that it started clicking for you that it was like, "Hey, this is I'm pretty pretty good at this." So when I was younger, um, like pretty young. I, I was pretty good from, from a young age. Um, I, I swim breaststroke and I think my feet kind of have that natural turnout. And, um, like there's a lot of, if you don't have that natural turnout in your feet, it's kind of hard to do, to do breaststroke well. So I, I had that and I was pretty decent from an early age. I think I had like a little bit of natural athleticism and, and, um, the right foot flexibility for that. Um, so I, I, I broke like some of our club records when I was younger. So I kind of always thought of myself as pretty good. And uh, one of the interesting things for me was I grew very late. So I was really good when I was like 10 and then around 11, 12, 13, um, other, other girls started growing and getting stronger and all of that stuff. And I didn't. So I started not liking swimming because I didn't like losing. <laughs> so, um, around that time also was, was running. So, you know, where like developing maybe great better on the swimming end, like I was super, super small. So I was good at running. And so I, around middle school, I actually really liked running and didn't like swimming. Our pool is like a dungeon and running was so fun. I just got to be outside with my friends and I quit swimming a little bit in eighth grade. Um, I, I just was, was sick of people beating me and um like I liked running so much better and then um I came back to it because I missed the competitive aspect of it and started setting goals for myself that were pretty aggressive and was able to do them and then in high school again so much of this is just being surrounded by the right people I had a great team um of girls who I'd always been competitive with and been you know pretty uh like head to head with that, that weren't, that weren't better than me when we were younger, who worked really hard and became super competitive at the state level, uh, like national level type swimmers. And, um, I, I'd always been really competitive and I always had the will to win. And then around that time, again, I seeing, seeing what they did, seeing what my brother did. Um, I developed that, that will to work as well. And I would say around ninth, 10th grade, I started loving going to practice, like loving practicing, loving going to practice every day. I could hit new, um, every day I could do something that I had never done before. And I just started just loving the process, loving doing early morning lifts, increasing weight, like every time I would go to do lifts and stuff like that. So it was really like, um, it was really high school. Um, and, and then again, in high school, then I finally started to grow and I started to drop significant time and, um, I won, I won states as a, I got second at states as a sophomore and I won states as a junior. So that's really when like I started growing and getting significantly stronger. And 
that's when I was able to, like, could tell that I was going to be able to swim almost anywhere I wanted for college. So that's a that's an interesting, like, fading in and out uh, of love with the sport, um, particularly the sport as tedious as swimming, because, I mean, that's just, that's a lot of meters for a lot of yards, depending on, you know, how you count it. Back and forth, looking at that black line, flip, turn, go. And it's just, it's not, I, I mean, I was never a competitive swimmer, but I've definitely put in my time in the pool before. And I know how it can just be like back and forth. You're like, I'm so tired of this. Um, just watching that swim clock. And that I propose, you know, you were like, I love going out and running. It's really dynamic. A pool is really boring. They should put fish in the pool. Um, that's it. Like they, they need, they, the, the pools need to have fish in them. And swim practice would be so much more fun. Like, imagine you're you're swimming and you're about to hit a PR, but you also have to fight a carp. Like, what a what a day! Uh, <laughs> it, we'll we'll put a pin in that idea. You know, we'll see. Inner machinations of, of Dylan's mind. Oh yes, yes, good. Yeah, good luck figuring it out because I've been with it for 27 years. And I don't know what's going on upstairs. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but then you, you're right. Having that group of people around you particularly people that you've been around for a long time. Right. Um, you have a lot of camaraderie, um, you know, investment, like in just experiences with them. And it, they're relatable. When you've been around somebody for a long time, they're relatable. And you can see yourself having the same success as them. Um, like that's, that's why it's super important to have like representation for things of, can I see myself as this person? Like you look at the, it's funny. I get things in the high rocks world. They're like, it's funny to see you out there because you're a little string bean. And that makes us think like, oh, like there is a body type that kind of works best. But, you know, you can also just look like Gumby and be OK. Um, but, so it, it, you seeing that in your teammates and seeing that, wow, they've gotten to that level. And then also having the growth spurt that really does help um, to, to just allow you to not only take the competitive nature that you have, apply it to practice. But then if you don't see results, not immediately, but in time, it gets very disheartening. Definitely. Um, and so of course the process became fun. You're like, I'm lifting every day, stronger. I'm swimming faster. Like that is tons of fun. And going back, there's one thing you said about the way that your feet, do you think that that played anything into the injuries you had as a runner? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. So I, um, I have, like, I, I said I have, like, my feet go out, but that's, like, the most extent of any kind of flexibility I have. I have very poor flexibility and mobility. My ankles are super stiff. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very prone to shin splints, and we've been figuring out. So I've had, I've had some knee pain, yeah. and I ha don't have very much internal rotation in my hips, and, okay. like, it has to compensate for that, and it's been causing me knee pain, and a lot of a lot of my injuries stem from that poor mobility. And I think I, I had more like hip mobility when I was young that helped out with breaststroke kick. Mm -hmm. uh, as I got older, one time I pulled my groin, I stopped doing breaststroke kick as much. And when I stopped doing it as much, I like noticed that, um, that, that advantage started going away. And now like I, I can totally feel when I try to swim breaststroke kick that I don't have that same, um, the same propulsion because my ankles and my knees don't have that, that mobility anymore. Huh. That's, that, that is interesting. Like the, because there are certain like anatomical features that play better to running and play better to swimming. And yeah. particularly like having super immobile ankles that are also, you're constantly pronating, correct? Like you're, you're a very heavy over pronator where the foot's rolling in. 
I I don't know if I am or not. I right, was well, let's go get on treadmill gait analysis on yeah, the podcast. Like, like I need to have analysis done for sure. Um, um but no, e- either way, there there are definitely certain things that they play great in a pool, and then you take it out and start putting the impact of right. the body coming from a different angle, and your body's like, whoa, no, this is not what we're supposed to be doing. Right, like some of the, I think my, the biggest thing that held me back, I think, in swimming was my ankle flexibility and mobility. Because like I said, I could turn out okay, but most of the strokes, like that's just breaststroke, everything else is like how much you can, how flexible your ankles are to try yeah. to grab up kicking and I didn't have that um and maybe like my you don't want to have soup too stiff of ankles I think I I probably am too extreme the other way but I think a lot of swimmers have trouble when they get into the out of the water because of that that flexibility that they have in their ankles might be a little bit too much for for running yeah I can see that if you're I mean if you're able to just be hyper mobile with like plantar and dorsiflexion and stuff how that can 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 lead to problems down the road just because you don't have that stability there um yeah so it, with that, you've gone to the point where you've seen success as a junior, you're winning states, and you're looking around. And at this point, what state are you in? Uh, Pennsylvania. Okay, fairly competitive state for swimming, yes? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you're looking around and you're looking at colleges. And mm-hmm. what is it? Are you thinking anything from an academic side? Or are you thinking all swimming? I So a lot of the best swimming schools are, are really good academic schools. So I when I set up my recruiting trips... I picked all great schools uh, that were strong swimming programs. And then like, I just kind of, when I went there, I knew that like whichever school I went to was going to be fine academically. Like the the schools that I went to on my trips were UVA, Virginia Tech, Penn State, uh, UNC, Michigan. And I was supposed to go to Duke, but I canceled it. Um, Yeah. So like I, I set myself up so that like whatever school I would go to was a really good s- school. And then they also had that swimming side. Um, and event, and I made my choice with UVA mostly because at that time they were the best school of the ones that I had narrowed it down to. And I was like, swimming's probably going to be a lot of my life in college and I want to go and improve or I'm going to be miserable. So that was like, I, I, I made a pool of, of strong uh, academic schools and then just kind of made a lot of my choice from that point on the swimming so you made a pool of them like no pun intended right so wait say that again so you, you made a pool of them i made a pool of, I them, made a yeah. pool of swimming schools no pun intended um yeah yeah and, and also i think if you look like academically swim teams tend to be like the highest gpa teams yeah um from from what i've seen i think it's like it tends to be like swimming tennis cross country tend to be up there yeah um yeah. So if you go somewhere that has like a good swimming program, you're probably going somewhere that academically is, is decent. Um, yeah. And so when you get there competitively, where did you stack against the other athletes? So I would say it was probably like middle middle of the pack. I think like we had we had really. Um, so I was close to qualifying. I had a time that was close to qualifying for NCAA's as a senior in high school. And, um, there's probably maybe a little bit less than 30 swimmers and divers on the team. And we usually had like 15 or so girls make NCAAs. So I was like right on the cusp of that. And, um, and I, I got really lucky with my college transition that a lot of the training just happened to be stuff that I really liked. We got to run my freshman year. Um, and then I, I came in already knowing how to lift when everybody else was trying to, was kind of learning how to do it. And a lot of the practicing suited me really well. So I was performing really well, um, off the bat 
my my freshman year. So I was I was like so excited to be able to to race with really fast people and just I don't know out of out of luck and um, just excitement. I like found myself kind of competing with with some of some really good girls like pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting you say like coming in, you're like, oh yeah, I had a background where I already knew how to lift. I already knew like training principles and stuff. And was something that I think about now, um, being just like a little bit older than those kids when they come to college, like D1 athletes, you hear that and you're like, oh, like they know what's going on. Like they, they've got it figured out. They, they understand. But you think about an 18, 19 year old rolling in. And I think about this particularly with like the big sports where it's super, you know, public, you've got a 19 year old punt returner who's like in front of 80,000 people and he musts the ball and like blows the game. And you're sitting there like, he's 19. Like to just think about all the pressure that gets put on young athletes coming in. And you're saying, Hey, some of these people who are coming into a D one program, they don't even know how to lift. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I just, like, I think about that with all these young athletes, you come in when you have a background with your family that has taught you all these things, you have the advantage of transitioning quite easily. And some people have a really rough transition into college, both from a uh, time management standpoint, um, a new, like, I have all these opportunities to do other things standpoint, and then a, I've never trained like this in my life. Like, this is much harder than I expected. And either people rise up to it, or they get completely washed out because you don't see success. You're just seeing a right. lot of failure. I'm doing this wrong. I'm doing that wrong. Now I'm getting beat. Like, the motivation to get up at 5 a.m. starts to go away. Yeah. Um, but for you... You came in, had all that kind of already in the back of your mind and was able to apply it and started swimming at a high level. So what was the, what would you say was the peak of your college career? So my, my freshman year went pretty well. And then my sophomore year got off to like a rougher start. But then by the end, I swam like that was the best. ACC's my sophomore year was the best meet of my life. Yeah, best meet of my life. So that's, I think was probably the best year for me. And then after my sophomore year, like end of my sophomore year, I thought I had everything figured out. I was like, I know how to practice even better now. I, I figured out my stroke. Like I'm going to kick ass. And then our coaches left um, and we got a new coach that summer. And that um, I was bummed when they left, but I was also like riding this high and I was like, okay, well, a new coach just means new perspective. It means, um, yeah, like new perspective, new, new things to work on. Like I'll be fine, whatever. And this time I didn't get lucky in that the training wasn't comprised of a lot of my strengths and I didn't swim fast quickly. And what was tougher was a lot of my teammates were swimming out of their minds and I just was not, I was swimming really slow and that got to me a lot and my attitude started toward the training and towards everything really started to deteriorate my junior year and I swam very pretty poorly um and what made it rougher was one of my best friends was two years above me so she graduated right um uh, after my sophomore year and so I was then the top breaststroker and I was swimming on these relays like the best relays with really great girls and I was swimming embarrassingly slow like holding these relays back and oh it was so like it was so embarrassing like I was just embarrassed when I was swimming and I was wasn't practicing well and it was just like eating me up um, my junior year and um, 
I didn't make NCAAs that year, but I had to go on the relay and that's like the one all American that I have. And it's, it was in the B final, but it was like, I was basically a warm body with three other really good girls who, who, um, who got us to that final. So I had a really tough year and I was like, during it, I was like, do I quit and join the rowing team? <laughs> that was like, that was like what I thought to myself every single day. Um, and then my fourth year, um, I like, I had a point where it was like my coach in the summer where I was trying to do an internship and training and, uh, I was forced to go, forced to go to this meet and I swam really slow and I was so over it. And, uh, he was like, you have to think about if you're going to keep swimming on this team. And we had like a, uh, kind of a rough conversation. And, um, and then my fourth year, um, my, uh, we had some other really good brushstrokers kind of come in and I, that, that took a lot of the pressure off me. And I started concentrating more on an event that I didn't like very much and focusing on those practices and uh focusing on on that those practices was kind of what got me through the year and I was able to make NCAAs again in, in what wasn't my favorite event um but that that's kind of like how my college experience went it was like a very easy transition first year second year went really well and then I had to learn some really tough lessons my third and fourth year um and it didn't end up quite quite where I wanted it to but I think that taught me a lot about um, like that you can work really hard and have things not work out and how important attitude is and how important it is to like what you're doing. Because if you don't like what you're doing, if you don't buy into what you're doing, you're not going to get the results that you want. And even if you do, it's, it's not going to feel worth it. So that I, th I think like uh, it was unfortunate, not the way that I wanted to, to finish the year, but I think those lessons were lessons that I needed to learn. So um yeah so that was my college swimming career I don't think you asked but I just told you <laughs> no, no no I asked you I asked you what the peak of it was and what you did was you gave me like you gave me the peak and then you gave me a heck of a lot more so um first question completely off of this is gonna be have you ever rowed a boat before no fucking bold just to be like should I just quit and join the rowing team you ever rowed a boat well, never <laughs> I was well a lot of rowing teams like you they they recruit from other sports um and like a lot of them coming in, come in, not knowing how to row. But the summer after my sophomore year, I wasn't even rowing much. And I was like, oh, I wonder what I can do in a 2K. And I think I did like a 724, okay. 724 or something. And that was off of like no rowing. And I was like, I could be a great rower. So yeah, and, now, and I mean, now at this point, you're, you can, you can clip under seven, can't you? Or right at it. <laughs> I've never done under seven. I did a seven of seven like a while ago now, but I haven't been rowing that much. But I think if, if I like, if I made that my priority, I think I could be under seven. I think, but, yeah, I think so as well. Like, I mean, you're built well for a rower. You're tall, powerful. Like it, you, yeah. you, you would work the heck out of a boat. Um, if you, you know, got the clean mechanics down and actually rode a boat, which is the same thing for me. Like I love rowing. And like, have you ever rowed a boat? Not ever. Like, <laughs> Dude, the 146 for an hour is crazy. Okay, let's be fair. It wasn't 146 flat. It was 146.8. So, like, there's a, there's a world of difference between 146 and 146.8. Okay, but that's still so impressive. <laughs> I, that's faster than what I could... That's faster than, like, that 2K pace. Uh, that is right under that 2K pace. Yeah, 70. That'd be, that'd be 707.2. Um, yeah, but that was just because I didn't have much time. 
and I was like, I have, I have an hour and 10 minutes. If I warm up for five, row as hard as I can for an hour, and then clean up in five, I can make my flight. Uh, <laughs> so that was the whole basis for why I even put that in there. I was like, uh, let's just time trial this. Um, and there's a 47-year-old British man named Keith Darby who I compete against tremendously in the, 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 the rowing team that we're on. And I saw that he had the top mark at 47, at 147.7. I was like, Keith, you're going down. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> you old fart. I'm done with you. Like, what, 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 what weight class is he? Because you're a lightweight rower. Same, same. We're both weak. Oh, like, he is? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're both like up under 165. So, uh. Okay. So like he and I, well, we're in this we're in this little rowing like thing called the cross the C two C T C, and it's oddly very competitive for like a random thing that you just upload times to. Um, but every month is like a different workout, and so every month it's me, and then it's him, and we're just head to head as one of the top lightweights. And then there's a couple of German guys. There's one German kid who comes in, and he you normally know, just puts his foot on both of our throats, and we're just like, well. <laughs> We're going to let Moritz go ahead and uh, kick our ass, and then we'll just fight amongst each other. Um, <laughs> but so what was the event that you uh, that you started to focus on that, that gave you, again, something that you could start to see a little success at? Because I think that was maybe what, it, what really brought you through, which you're like, all right, I'm actually getting a modicum of success here. Yeah, so I so around high school, I developed this, this hatred for the tuna breaststroke, and um, I, I, so I was a mostly breaststroker. I liked the hundred breaststroke a lot. I didn't like the tuna breaststroke. It's, it's kind of like a little bit more painful and longer. And I just like, just had a little bit of a mental block to it. And, um, around then in my sophomore year, I kind of figured it out a little bit and kind of tailored my stroke a little bit to be able to, to do that. And, um, I think what it was, was just like my tuna breaststroke wasn't as fast as it could be. And, um, my, then I'm, my my senior year, we we would always have these tuna brusher practices like once a week, and they were, it was the only practice that I really liked, and it was and I was able to swim really well every single week. Like I was so consistent with these practices and swimming really really well in them, and so that 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 did that was kind of what got me through was like I I know I can swim really fast tuna brusher, and, and part of it was I was improving because I hated it when I was swimming really well and everything else. So that time probably would have been fast. So I probably would have had a faster time that would have been harder to chase if I had liked it back then, but I was forced to like it my last two years because my hundred brushstroke was just total shit. Um, so, so yeah, like having those practices to look forward to and that race to look forward to is what got me through my last year for sure. Yeah. Again, and it's that thing of like, if you continue to work at something and you see no success, it just wants to drive you away from it. And so the fact that you had kind of ignored the 200 breaststroke, you're like, I don't want to mess with this anymore. And then you came back to it and you're like, well, I've neglected you for so long that once I finally pay attention, like this will actually be a good experience. Um, you know, you, you find what you have to sometimes in sport to keep you motivated. Um, yeah. And it isn't always the prettiest, but you have to have something if you're going to keep going. So we've gotten to the end of the college career, sort of worked your way through that, found what you had to find to be able to, to get through. And then where do you find yourself? Graduate, toss your cap up in the air, maybe. I don't know if you did that. Um, and what's life looking like for you? Where are you headed? Yeah, so um, I wrapped up swimming in March and um, got to have a nice, easy spring semester and got a job 
um, as an actuary that was going to be in Arizona starting in August. So I um, wrapped up in Virginia in May and then kind of hung around, uh, just did workouts with my dad in the summer until August. And then I moved to Arizona, started my job. Um, I started my job there that, uh, that August of 2019. And from a sports perspective, like, what are you thinking for yourself? Um, are you kind of burnt out at that point or are you like, I need to find somewhere to channel this competitive energy? So it's interesting. So my, my last race was NCAAs in March and I felt like I could have done more than I did. And I was so, so sad about it. And I went back to the hotel and had sad girl times for a little bit. And then I wrote down a bunch of goals in different areas, like running, pull-ups, um, rowing, and I wasn't sad anymore. And so I didn't really have super concrete goals, but I wanted to run and I wanted to row and I wanted to, um, just, just become an overall better athlete. So, um, I was just kind of me and my dad were just training general, like it was, it was hybrid, I guess, type style, a mix of Metcons, uh, running, rowing, machine work type of stuff, um, together. And, uh, when I moved out to, um, Arizona that August, I was doing a mix of just running and CrossFit kind of for fun. I don't think I had anything really on my radar for a while. And then, um, I was just enjoying kind of racing people in wads. That was, it was really fun and getting better at rowing and getting better at running. And then, um, when I was home in November, what got me into hybrid was, um, my, my, my family really liked watching, um, broken skull challenge a lot. And mm-hmm. my dad enjoyed Hunter talking shit. So he was like, what is Hunter up to? So I, I found his Instagram and that's when he posted about high rocks and me and my dad read about it. And we were like, wow, this is like the closest thing that there's ever going to be into our wheelhouse. So that's how we heard about it. And that's when I kind of started training for that was, um, Thanksgiving 2019. And then I did my first one in February of 2020, which I've talked about a lot on every single podcast. We, how that we- went. Hey, we will not go into that one. What February of 2020? Where was that? Orlando? Or was that? Uh, Dallas. Dallas. Okay. Well, you know what? Since you've talked about that a lot, we're not going to focus in on that one. We're going to leave that there. Okay. So Perfect. I, and honestly, off the top of my head, I don't even know how it went, but I'm going to assume terribly. Um, Take a guess. Wait, dude, do you really not know? Take a guess at what my time was. 128. 126. Hey, hey, you know, so just pull that out of the back pocket. Not a bad guess. Not a <laughs> it bad was. guess. Um, yeah. So you get shocked after that first high rocks race and when do you race again? So that was the last race before COVID. Um, yeah. And so the next race wasn't until the following May, there was a virtual competition that I think I did in February of 2021 that went a lot better. Um, I think that was like fifth or sixth. Was it the second, second VCF? It's the second one. Yeah. 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 I did that one as well. Um, and that yeah. was the one to try to qualify for that top three, like elite thing in, uh, in Dallas. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, I didn't know that was that you had to, that, that was a qualification for that. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. If you finished top three in that, they would let you do the elite. They didn't, they, right. didn't, let, they did let me in. David McGee petitioned his butt in. Um, I, yeah. Oh, that was fun. I wish I could have raced against him. That was my first one. I wish I could have raced David in that one. And, uh, we, I would have been nipping on his fucking heels. Um, <laughs> even though at that point I had no like relationship with David, didn't know him very well. Um, but 
That's it. So yeah, so you you do the the VCF the second one, and then from there, where does it where does it take you to the next start line? Um, my next race, I think, was was May in Austin, and um, that race went a lot better. I went one sixteen, so I dropped ten minutes, and I got second to Cali in that one. Okay, and really nice. I was like, oh, 10 minute drop. This is great. And I, I cramped really bad on the lunges and mm -hmm. I, I thought I wasn't gonna be able to finish and, but I did. And so I knew there was more time at that point. And yeah, that, that was the next race after that. But i worked, I worked really, really hard. Like I had shin splints. I think I had stress fractures going into that Dallas race in 2020. And I took some time off and, um, took some time off running and, and healed them and then got really back into running, got more stress fractures. And then I went to physical therapist to try to figure my shit out and had a really strong, um, running and just had a lot more engine built up before that race. So that was really gratifying to see that 10 minute drop. Yeah. And that's a huge drop. And, and some people are going to be like, man, this is a mean comment, but 116 is still not competitive. Like, yeah, 116 yeah. is mean, not. Hey, yeah. No, it's gotten so much faster. Like 116, I feel like 116 then was probably like a 111, 112 now. So like it wasn't competitive, but it was like starting to get up there. Yeah, but it, but the thing is, you continue to drop. That's the the trajectory that you've had has just been this continual like just climb of of progression. You know, it's 126, it's 116, and then now we get to the point where we're in 2023 and you're the top five in the world and. I think you've had one of the best progressions as an athlete in the sport from your start point to where you are now. Um, so when did, when did you show up and start getting like competitive on the U S stage? Was that 2022? Yeah. So I would say like the first race where I felt like competitive was actually more of a deficit, deficit Chicago, pretty much. I think it was like a year ago today. Um, I showed up in Chicago and I won that race and I just remember feeling so in control during that race and in doing a best time. And then I showed up at West Palm and that's when I got fourth really close behind Tara, Bridget and Lauren. And that's mm -hmm. when I felt like, okay, wow. Like I'm actually good at this now. Like I'm, I'm competing with really good people. Yeah. And I think was West Palm, was West Palm the first time that we did like a bike talk cool down. Yeah. I, yeah. I think you were like, and I was just standing there. So you had like a three hour bike cool down, but oh, come started, on. it was not that long. It was probably that long. Yeah, but. it was. But either way, yeah. So, so West Palm was where, where the tradition started of we, we will, I will either be on a bike or we'll both be on a bike post races and then just kind of chat and catch up on life. Um, and that West Palm race was loaded. Like that was such a fast race on men's and women's side. Um, yeah. So to go out and be competitive with that group, that really w was an indication of like, oh, all right, I'm with the top tier now. And then, so that's in September. Yeah. You show up again on the High Rock stage win. The first race was I was the same race with you in Chicago in November. Okay. And for that one, what did you drop on that? I went a 108 there. 108 there. So again, we, we get trajectories of 10 minutes and then we get eight minutes. And now, like, once you start talking 108, you're like, okay, this is in the conversation. Um, yeah. Now, at this point, I think to really be top 15 or whatnot for the women's side, I think you got to be in the 105s. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, but but at that time point, one hundred eight is like, all right, that's good. Um, you're up there. And then, what what do you think it was that you introduced into your training, started adopting that allowed you to progress like that? So I think leading up to that point, I think um, what I so 
So I raced, I'm um, bringing back to, to January 22, I raced High Rocks, the North American Championship in 2022. And I, so the last man race was June of the previous year. And I felt like I was getting better, all this stuff. And then I showed up to that race and I think I still won a 116 and I was just gutted. Like I was so disappointed and I took some time off of like doing the high rocks training. And I started just kind of going on longer runs and doing less Metcon work and just doing running. I would do like one or two Metcons a week, just like with my family for fun and straight lifting. And I think all of the, I just started running more and I built my way up to, by the time July rolled around, I was running like 40, 50 miles a week, which I had never done before. And, um, I wasn't hitting any crazy strength numbers, but I think just consistently doing that helped me a lot. And those were probably two of the big things leading up to that point. And then, um, I continued that training, um, with like an appropriate amount of like Metcon and like machine work up to Deca worlds in November. And then, um, at Deca worlds, uh, I just, I knew how, how I just wasn't competitive running wise with the rest of the field. So that's when I decided to start working with Ian Hosick, um, and start doing his training and trying to step up my run game. So that, that was, I think some of the big things that triggered those improvements throughout that time. And then from November to now, I really liked the training that I've been doing through that. And I, it's all very methodical. Um, and I think it's helped a lot. Well, I mean, it clearly has helped a lot. Um, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the results speak for themselves. Um, and yeah, the, the, I think one thing that gets really neglected by a lot of high rocks athletes, particularly age group wise, is the aerobic base. Um, yeah. Like you, you look at all the stations and you're doing so many Metcons and station work. And sometimes it's right. like, nah, bro, just go do a 10 mile run. Like just get really good at what is half of the race. Um, right. And being comfortable running at a decent pace then go ahead and break it up a little bit with something just to knock you out of your rhythm and then find it again but like if you don't have the base for it the sport is i don't know 95 percent aerobic like right. maybe five percent of the time you're dipping into that anaerobic system when you're having to do something like a sled push pull um but outside of that so you go in and bumping those miles up and staying healthy of course yeah those two playing together yeah are huge um and so with that we get to the point where we're in manchester and how did you feel your fitness was, you know, going into world championships? Yeah. I mean, I felt like it was, it was great. I did have a few, like, um, a few kind of like health, I'm not scares, but like my, I would have like some weird things happening, but I mean, I was doing things. I, I built on my running volume again, higher than I ever had before. And being able to like, know that I've run further than I've ever run before, like gave me a lot of confidence doing things that I'd never been doing before my tempos were tempo runs were going really well I, I went like a a sub 20 minute 5k in one of my tempo runs which I've, I've never officially done before so I had a lot of confidence like for myself relative to where I've been in the past that I um I, I could could race well so that's those are kind of the things that I pointed to and felt like um felt fit yeah yeah I mean that's what it is when you're training, you're hitting PRs within your workouts and everything. And it's particularly close to when you're going to race. Like if you're doing it way far out, you kind of worry. You're like, oh, did I reach the tip of the spear like too early? And am I going to like overreach and drop off? But it seems like you hit it, the nail on the head and then showed up in Manchester and had one of the, the best races I've seen from you before. Um, did you at any point, like 
what were you feeling though like oh man this is kind of happening like i'm having a day um or did it feel pretty normal yeah i mean i think it it felt pretty normal i um yeah i, I just kind of felt like there's like i think a lot of my approach to, to racing and everything in general is like why not me like i i'm capable i'm fast i'm strong like anybody can have a day i've been working hard too like all this kind of stuff where um i almost have like two parts of my brain i have like the illogical racing side which says like why not me and then i have like the logical side that recognizes how good everybody there is so i like when i'm racing i'm just kind of looking at the people around me where i am and trying to like whoever's in front of me i'm trying to stay with them um and that's kind of how i was thinking and i, I noticed things were going well and i was just after um i was trying to stay with bell i think all the way through the sled or all the way through the farmer's carry. And I realized like, I know how good she is at lunch. So I knew she was going to be gone. So then for me, it was about like holding my place more. Um, but, but I was just kind of trying to stay in the moment and race who I could. And then at the end, I was just trying to survive because I got so thirsty and tired during the last like 10 minutes of that race. And the last run off, all I could think about was like, I just want water. Like I just want to finish so I can get water. Where you're going, you're going like straight SpongeBob in the, in the what? Yeah. Uh. what? Yeah. yeah. That was, so yeah, I don't. That was that was pretty painful towards the end, but it it, it worked out okay. Yeah, it, and you said something there about the you know logical and illogical side. I think for anybody at high levels of sport, particularly to believe that you can be a like world champion at anything, you have to be a bit delusional. Like yes. you do, you have to for create sure. scenarios in your head that are not reality and place yourself at the top. Dude, that's so me. Yeah. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. You, you have to, you create this like weird thing up in your head and you're like, this is what it looks like. And I can be that world champion, but to actually become it, you still have to be logical. Like, right. You can't just dream big and be like, all right, here we go. Like <laughs> I'm going to go chase my dreams. It's like, dude, no, you better have a fucking roadmap or you're just going to run into the side of a wall. Like, um, yeah. So, so I think most, athletes have that like if you ask them they're like yeah i do like i know I'm, it's a little crazy to think i can do this and then at the same time they break it down they're like this is what reality is um yeah but we can com compartmentalize that right and so for you you come off of you come off of world championships finish fourth the americans just on the on the women's side just kind of lay the hammer down one two three four um absolutely crushed it and what like what are you thinking going away from that Cause you had a wild Manchester trip regardless and we don't have to <laughs> maybe, maybe since then you've learned manners, um, manners. <laughs> maybe you learned manners, but, but we'll leave that as it was. Um, and so you're coming home from this and what are you thinking? Yeah. So the first thing I was thinking was, like I said, there was some, um, like, I think I, I had, I could tell that my body was breaking down a little bit from all the running. So I took a little bit of a break and we had a family vacation that was kind of perfectly timed. So I did that. And then it's just kind of been um, like getting back into things, staying injury free. I've been working a lot on my mobility um, and it's just kind of been like continue to trust in the training, continue to try to improve where I can stay healthy. Um, yeah. And I've, I've, I've been really kind of chomping at the bit the last few bits. I'm I feel such FOMO watching everybody go on such amazing races and adventures. Um, so I'm, I'm just really excited to start racing again. Um, but yeah, I just kind of been thinking like, just continue to 
to work, work my strengths, work my weaknesses, trust the process, I think is, is a really important thing for me, especially because um, lately I've been running in the heat, right? And when you're running in the heat, your times aren't going to be like, you're not gonna be able to run quite as fast. So uh, trusting in the work that you're putting in and, um, and yeah, just kind of continuing to, to believe in myself, um, I think is, is just where I've been at. And yeah. And when are we, so, so when will we see you next? Like, I'll be it's gonna be a party at the PA. There's a lot of people going. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So I'll be heading up that way as well. So that'll be good. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you raised Deck of PA. Anything else? Um, after that, I think how I do there will determine if I do Deck of Orlando. Um, but then the next race for after that would probably be um, the first High Rocks major in November, maybe. That sounds like there's not, well, I, I feel like there's been like this lull dead period, I feel like of racing, but I know it's going to pick up a lot more towards the end of the year and the beginning of next year. So, um, just trying to, to figure that out. I need to do that, but, but that's probably what I'm thinking is deck of the PA. I might need to do a deck a mile if I want to qualify for worlds there, but then yeah, the first major in November and then either deck of worlds or that Sweden high rocks or where is it? Is it Sweden? Yeah, this is Stockholm, I believe. Stockholm, yeah. High Rocks major and try to figure all that out and what my best chances are going to be for qualification for High Rocks Worlds. I think a lot of people seeing the new like High Rocks standards and stuff are trying to sort all that out. Um, yeah. Me being one of those, I got to figure out how to get my skinny ass into a major. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's a chance that I'm hopping a flight to Copenhagen uh, yeah. and, and taking a swing there at the end of September, but we'll see on that. So. I think a lot of people, if you ask the question, Hey, what's your season looking like? It's like, well, I got like one or two kind of in the next two months. And then after that, it's, I'm trying to figure it out. I think 2024 early season will just kind of explode yeah. late, late yes. 23, early 24. It's just going to be like people are racing bam, bam, bam all the time. Um, so like you said, taking some time, rejuvenating the body, getting the mind back right. And then getting ready to throw down here and it'll be about three and a half weeks. Um, so I look forward to seeing you up there as we, as we finish up on this, anybody you want to shout out um, other than the two cats, couch coaching <laughs> and burrito. Um. Um, yeah. I mean, like just, I don't know, just my fam. Um, they're, they're a big part of, of who I am. And uh, I've just been really lucky to have a lot of really great uh, teammates. And then Ian Hosick has been awesome. And just, I just, I generally enjoy everybody in the hybrid space. They make, may they make racing really fun and, um uh just just are such great athletes to continue to chase after so everybody's great love everybody love everybody all right very peace good and peace and love peace. and then my final question if your dad lined up for a high rocks tomorrow how fast is he going uh, he so he hasn't so he i'm about to scare the entire world with this so he started he started his own business a while back and when he was was working he would sit for really long periods of time and the backs of his calves like started to calcify. Um, so he has really hard, has a really hard time running. Like he'll, he'll pull a calf muscle if, unless he warms up for like 45 minutes beforehand. So he doesn't get to run a whole lot, um, which is the tough part, but he can still, he's still fast as shit. So he ran a 116 back in 2020 and that was with the long uh, sled pull. So okay. But that was open. I wasn't pro. So are we talking open or pro? Because I think open, he would probably be around the same time. 
pro would be slower. Yeah, one would think. Yeah. If he went faster than the pro, I'd be like, what is going on here? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, 116, 121, maybe? All right, so that, that's our spread. So, we got 116 to 121 with uh, with Cal's podcast. With, with, with Mess Up Cal's podcast. Old man strength. Yeah. Old man strength. <laughs> All right. Um, I think that's it. I just wanted to have a good chat with you. Good to get to know kind of your story leading all the way up through this. We're going to next. Um, I look forward to, you know, seeing you in PA here soon. Yes, for sure. We're going to, we're going to party. Absolutely. And we won't do a three hour bike. Cool down. We'll be down. Um, no. All right. Well, Vivian, you have a great rest of your Sunday and I'll chat with you later. Sounds good. Later. Good luck moving. <laughs>